we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art.
spirit when you move you make my heart pound when you fill the room you're here and i know you i'm moving i'm here and i know you will feel me Take a second here. Let's just worship him. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Your name high above. Lord, we believe you can change us. So do so. Lord, ha have your way with us today. There's none like you. One God, you're the creator. You are the one whom we put our trust, our Savior. Praise you today, and we thank you. Oh, Jesus. Tori has something to, to share. And Lord put something on her heart about the last song we just sang, but also knowing the song we're about to sing, she has something on her heart for us. Good morning. 
morning. Okay, so I just want to encourage you guys. God wants to encourage you guys that revival is coming. Like, we're looking in Asbury, but it starts right here. It starts right here. He's going to do it in this city. He's going to do it in this church. There's a hunger for him. Many people that I've talked to, they hunger and they're, they're thirsty for him. And it just makes me think of Jesus in the wilderness when he was 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. He was hungry. And that's when the devil came and tempted him. But you know what? The devil might come and tempt us, but God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Think about that. Our enemies are surrounding us, trying to bring us down. And he's like, hold on, I'm going to make a table. And it's going to be filled with all the provision that you need all the equipment that you need, the full armor of God that you need to withstand the, all the fiery darts of the enemy. Who shall we fear if God be for us? Who can be against us? Be encouraged. When you're hungry, when you feel that hunger rise up, seek the Lord. Read his word, pray, do what you have to do to make sure that you're turning to him in Jesus' name. We see what you can do, oh God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again, cause there's no Possible. And there's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save, all things are possible. The darkest night, and you can light it up, and you can light it up.
chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, someone here and I'm excited because God wants to change your life today he is calling you and if you're feeling something stir within that means that this word is for you I just I feel someone has been so hurt by someone that was supposed to protect them and I don't know if that was a parent maybe it was a pastor I don't know but someone who was in place to protect them and they hurt them And God says, I was with you then. He was with you. You were not alone. And sometimes it's hard to understand why we go through hard things. But the Lord never said we wouldn't. He said he would be with you when you were there. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown in the fire. They were thrown in a furnace so hot that the people who went to throw them in died because of the heat. But there was someone else in there with them. They were not alone. And that is the same God that is with you today. The same God who was with you on that night where you were hurt, where you were taken advantage of. He was with you then. And he is with you now. And he says, just come to me. I am ready to just welcome you back in. You've been running for too long. strongholds that have been placed upon you he's ready to take them off he can break every chain so if you think that you're in a situation that you can't be pulled out of that is incorrect that is
that is the enemy trying to place that upon you because our God holds every key. He has every key and he has taken your sins and he has taken them as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he takes our transgressions from us. So in the darkest situation, I don't care what it is, he can light it up. And where his light is, darkness can no longer be. If you've ever been in a dark room and you can't see and you light a candle or we use our phones, you see how powerful just a tiny little light is. How much more powerful is his light? How much more powerful is the Son of God? How much more will he just overtake that darkness that is trying to grow within you? Just invite him in. Open that door. Let him in. We're going to sing that bridge over whoever that is. And when as we're singing, I just want all of you just to cry out. That he will break every bondage. That the chains will fall. Hallelujah. Come awaken your people. Come awaken this city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. Yes, Lord. I hear the chains hit the ground. Thank you, Jesus. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people. Come awake in the city, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble, I hear the chains hit the ground, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awake in your Of 
is overcome. You've already won. Oh, God of revival. There's no prison walls you can't break through. No mountains you can't Body you can raise, no soul that you can save. Oh, things are possible. Cause there's no prison walls you can break through, mountain you can move. Things are possible. There's no broken body you can raise, soul that you can save. Things are possible. Cause there's no prison wall you can break through, mountain you can move. Oh, things are possible. And there's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save. Things are possible. Yes, they are. The darkest night. You can light it up. You can light it up. Oh, God of revival. Death is overcome, you've already won, oh God of revival, one more time, the darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up, oh God of revival, live Lord, we thank you that we serve the God that is a protector. The God who will never leave us or forsake us. The one that we can count on. Lord, I pray that you would just be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That we want to try to go through doors that you have not set us to. I'll send your revival to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good, isn't he? Let's just praise him. You are good, Lord. You are worthy, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, we're just so glad to have you with us. If you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning. Tell them you're glad to see them, too.
right, well, amen. Come on in. Grab a seat. I know you guys like each other, but that's enough. That's enough. Too much, too much. You guys love each other too much to think we're Christian or something. Don't want that, right? They never listen to me. They never listen. All right, everybody, come on in. Tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prep that. Uh, offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, and one of the ushers will get you one in short order. Um, and tithe in the house. Uh, as the increase comes to our lives, we honor God with our increase as he is our provider. Amen. And I'm going to have Judah Reisner, who's walking back, come pray this morning over your offering. And uh, Judah is a, a believer. Judah's a giver. Did you know that? And there's something about the nature and the heart of God when, when you are becoming more like him. Part of becoming more like him is you just develop, you turn into to a giver. And it's not just money, but the way you live life, you're not self-centered. And you're not just about you. In other words, uh, part of the nature of, of God is that greed is not a part of our being. That's sort of driven from us. And we, we, are, we turn into those that are about others. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to have you pray. Is that thing on? Don't check. There we go. Okay. If you pray for tithes and offering, and then when he's done, if you have something, you can bring it down this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning wanting most of all your presence. For your presence is the most valuable thing that I can think of in this whole world. Lord, just to be in your presence where your spirit dwells, so that my heart is drawn to you so that the sinner's heart is drawn to you, so conviction comes upon and we realize we need a Savior. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray that you bless us with your presence. I pray that you bless us with your spirit at all times. Lord, I pray over this offering, for you have blessed us so much, Lord, even in this physical world. You don't just give us your presence. You give us financial gain. You give us provision in this world, God, this world that you've told us for now we have to live in, and we'll keep speaking your word. I pray that you take your offering here, God, and you multiply it as you do. I've seen it over and over, God. I've seen those who give everything they have just keep getting back. A supernatural funnel, God. I've seen it. And I don't know how it works, but I know it's you. So I pray that we're not in fear to give. I pray that we're not bound by, by greediness, but it's a cheerful heart that we give, God. We give cheerfully knowing that you're going to do better with our money than what we could do for your kingdom. For you know all. You know what's best, God, so we trust you. And when this world ends, we'll have treasure in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Jude. If you have something today, you can bring it down. Um, some announcements Some announcements while you're doing that. Don't forget church-wide prayer every Monday night from 6 to 7 here at the church. So if you have questions about that, you can see Samara or Christine or Justice. Um, also, youth hangout is this Wednesday. So we always have kids' church, but our youth, 5th to 12th grade, the 2nd and 4th Wednesdays of uh, each month, they have youth hangout during church on Wednesday night. So that is this coming Wednesday. A uh, couple things real quick also. Uh, that are coming uh, up right, uh, I say right now, soon, is 
at the end of April, the 29th. We got a women's uh, uh, gathering and get together happening that day. So details come about that. We have something happening uh, in the month of April also for the guys. So it'll be a guy hangout night here and some different things like that. So uh, keep watching for details about those things. And also, if you're new with us today, a couple things, or if you've been with us a couple times, uh, in the chairs in front of you are these connect cards. If you fill on these out and give me that, we'd appreciate that. We'd love to connect with you. And of course, you can either see myself or Margo. That's my wife. You can see her about that. And also, in the back of the chairs are these little uh, blue pamphlets, just a little bit of information about our church and who we are. So just maybe have uh, some questions you might have might be answered in that. So you can check that out. All right. We've got your Bibles. Get those out. Exodus chapter number three. And we're going to go there in just a moment. Starting, uh, I want to say a series, but for the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about Fire, wind, and new wine. And believe it or not, after we're done with this, we're actually heading into our Easter series. Easter is the early uh, time frame this year, the beginning of April. So we're already talking about Easter coming up. Fire, wind, and new wine. Scripture, if you see, if you see the broad picture of Scripture, Fire in the Bible represents some different things. It can represent the presence of God. It can represent the Holy Spirit, which is also the presence of God, the activity of God. Uh, it can represent cleansing. It can represent judgment. But it carries some different connotations, obviously based on the context of where you find it. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about Moses and, and this great story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses experiences God in the presence of the bush as the bush is on fire. Uh, you, see, you see through the Bible different ways that fire shows up. We know that uh, in the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, you have the cloud by day, the fire by night, presence of God. You find different times when uh, God meets someone on a mountain. Sometimes it's in the uh, presence of fire. Uh, as we, we see in John, the book of John, that it said that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. We know that, again, we see fire represented in judgment, the, the fire of hell. So different connotations, different representations. But today, talking about Exodus chapter 3 and Moses in the burning bush, fire representing the presence of God. So let me give you a little background story. So we're going to go to uh, Exodus chapter 3, and right there is the story of, of Moses meeting God uh, in the desert. Here's the lead up to that story. So um, we know the great man of faith that bring us the nation of Israel. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob, uh, his name was changed to Israel. And Jacob, Israel had a son named Joseph, and you guys know the story. Uh, th this kid had some dreams, and he also got a coat of many colors, and his brothers didn't like it. You know that story. And they sell him into slavery. Through, through this big process, through God's favor, through the interpretation of dreams, he ends up in second in command of all of the great nation of, of Egypt. Only Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is over him. Uh, and then the famine comes to the area, and through the working of God, Jacob, Israel, and the family end up in Egypt, right, for provision. Um, and, and they're safe there and provided for. But over time, Egypt forgets Joseph. 
And as the Israelites are multiplying, Egypt subjects them to slave labor. They literally essentially become slaves of the nation of Egypt. Uh, and during this time, they're, they're multiplying so much, the Bible says that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, orders that all male babies are killed, but let the females live. And, and of course, if you're thinking, it really draws on the story of the birth of Jesus. Remember King Herod being jealous of a king being born, uh, uh, has all the boy males killed, aged, you know, toddler and under. But when Moses is born, his mom hides him. And when she could not hide him any longer, you know the story. She makes a basket, puts Moses in the basket, and puts him in the Nile River among the reeds, the great Nile River. And as chance would have it, Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe in the river, notices the basket, goes to see what it is, and finds a child in there. And she knows the child is not Egyptian. She knows it's Hebrew, but yet has compassion on it. And at a distance, Moses' sister is watching this unfold, so she kind of inserts herself into the situation. And it turns out that uh, Pharaoh's daughter has Moses' sister find somebody to take care of the baby for her, which, of course, was then Moses' mom. But eventually, Pharaoh's daughter brings him into the court and raises him in the household there. But all the while, Moses knows that he is not Egyptian, that he is a Hebrew, he is an Israelite. Uh, actually, his name Moses that was given him means drawn out of the water. Um, but one time, one day Moses is out observing what's going on. He sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. He intervenes and, and actually kills the Egyptian. And word starts to spread about this. He flees. And he ends up in this place called Midian. He meets a girl there, gets married. He starts to live among the family that he finds there. So that kind of leads us to the story of Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. So let's read this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, if you notice something really good is going to happen here, good things happen when you're in the mountains. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning. It was on fire, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why is the bush not burned? And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Then God said to him, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And God said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey, no place uh, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites and Amorites, the Prezerites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. 
And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen their oppression. He goes on to tell Moses that he has heard the cry of his people, and ultimately he's going to send Moses there to get them out. Okay? Now, that is a giant, huge task, by the way. This is the most powerful nation in the world. And you can imagine if God shows up to you and says, you're going to go do this, that'd be like walking up to the White House, knocking on the door, demanding a present with the president and telling him what he's going to do. How many know it's not going to fly? But yet, in the power of God, Moses ultimately fulfills this. And by the way, the Exodus story becomes the big picture motif we see in the scriptures of God hearing the distress of the people, sending a deliverer. We know the Passover story and all the things that entails. Exodus is the big picture story of the God who saves and redeems and brings us out. And you see that cycle over and over again in the scriptures. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Moses and the burning bush. Again, fire, the presence of God that God is there, and ultimately to understand that the presence of God and the work of God is available for us. Now remember, God is not a distant God. See that? As a matter of fact, God went and found Moses in the midst of a desert tending a bunch of sheep. He went Listen, he went to him. Do you know God always takes the first step towards us? Do you know that? He's not a distant God. He's not out there demanding you come to him. He always comes to us first and invites us to him. See, see Moses could have saw the bush burning, and, and well, that, that's kind of wild, and then not even paid attention to it and went about his business. He could have totally ignored the situation. But a God who takes the first step towards us does so in such a way that he invites us to him. So I've got some things I want to break down with you today about this. Actually, five things. I know that sounds like a lot, but it won't be. So Elijah, if you'll put this up on the screen, here's the five things. We're going to work through these things today. Here's the first thing about God's interaction with Moses and the fire of his presence. We as a people must learn to hear him when he speaks because God still speaks. God is not a mute idol. It's not something a man makes and then calls it something he ultimately worships. But God is the living God who stands outside of us and God speaks. As a matter of fact, he still speaks. He hasn't stopped speaking. When, when they decided and came to the uh, conclusion that the books we have in our Bible, we call it the closed canon, it's not as if God does not speak beyond this. God still speaks today. And we believe that. And what I love about God speaking is the fact that he is intensely personal in the way he interacts with us. In other words... He knew who Moses was. He knew Moses' name. He knew Moses' situation. He also knew about Moses' future. He knew exactly the details of the life of Moses. You see that? And what God does is in his knowing of us, he speaks to us according to our situations. 
So when he calls you, he doesn't call some sort of a, well, I know I made this person. I'm not exactly sure who they are. He hasn't lost track of you. He knows you very personally, intensely personal. So when God calls you, he calls you by name. Now, I understand that could, when you really grasp that idea, that can be a little bit like, well, wait a second. The God who made all things, that it can actually show up in a bush, light it on fire, but the bush doesn't burn, that kind of God knows me that personally. That should make you think a, 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 a little bit. That the God who makes all things knows me in such a way that he knows the details of my life. And yet he still calls to me. And he calls you by name. He calls you by your situation. And he also constantly is laying a future out in front of you if you'll listen. But here's the thing about it. You have to pay attention to his voice. And something we've been saying consistently here in the last few months, learn to pay attention to God. He's there. You can get so busy tending your sheep out in the wilderness that you can ignore the fact that he is there in his presence. You've got to learn to pay attention to him because God is ever seeking to break into your world. You see that? But here's a question we get. How often does God speak when he wants to? How does he speak? Well, what we see in the scriptures, there's multiple different ways that he spoke. In this way, he spoke through a burning bush in the middle of the, of the desert. He can speak how he wants to. Isn't that right? But the thing is that he will. And when he does, that we are sensitive enough to hear him, and not just hear him, but learn how to respond to him. And you see this, this interaction that God has with Moses and, 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 and he starts to lay out what he wants him to do and Moses starts to argue with him, all these excuses why he can't and eventually God's not happy about that and finally gets him in the idea that he can do this and he gets him some help with his brother Aaron. And all the things that happen, I love how the interaction with Moses and God happens. You can have a life of interaction with the God of all things if you pay attention and respond. That's how intensely personal that he will be to you. So we must learn to pay attention to him. So here's the second thing. So not only must, must you hear him, but you've got to learn to draw close to him. Now, when I say that, if, you think, if you're thinking, you say, wait a second, in, in what we just read, when Moses came over, God actually told him to stop. Take your sandals off because where you are is, is holy. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But this interaction with God leads to Moses coming to the place as we see it in Exodus 33:11, where God would rest on the tent of meeting and Moses would meet with God face to face as a friend would meet with a friend. You see that? that we have the opportunity in a relationship with him to meet with him face to face as a friend would meet with a friend. Hebrews chapter number 10. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter number 10. 
and verse number 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, notice that word confidence, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and this is hearkening the idea of, of the temple setup, by the new and living way that opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. In other words, Jesus is the way. Amen. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, again, that's Jesus. Let us draw near with a full, true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You see that? Let us draw near. Let us draw near. Confidence to enter the holy places. There is a tension that we find in the scriptures, a good tension, it's a wonderful tension, of a God who is so holy that he can make the dirt holy by his presence. Think about that. He can take the ordinary and make it wonderful. You see that? So incredible. And this tension of you've got to revere him because of who he is. But then the tension is then, but find him in a place of face-to-face -face as a friend meets with a friend that we draw near with confidence because of the work of Jesus. You see the tension there? It's a tension we find through the scriptures, but it's a good tension. That we, we've got to learn to draw near, but at the same time, revere him for who he is. I, I am a big proponent of the idea that we must always stay in wonder and awe of who God is. And never lose that. Yes, God is my savior. Wow, he, he's the creator of all things. Amen. But yet he's intensely personal with me. But that intense personal relationship never removes the fact that he is the almighty God. And I don't forget that. That he can take the ordinary and make it holy. He can do above and beyond what anything else could do. He is God. Therefore, I revere him. Staying in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, in verse 28. I'd encourage you to read through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The fire of his presence is a consuming fire. So we see the many facets of, of, of God in our relationship with him, but we stand in the first moment of understanding in wonder and awe and reverence who he is. Why, why, do you, why do you worship? Because of who he is. Worship reminds you your place in the pecking order. Why do you pray? Because you have an understanding, at least somewhat, of who he is, right? Why would you do anything? Why would you commit your life to him in a way that he can mold you and shape you and do what he wants? Because you have an understanding of who he is. 
and you have an understanding of who you are in, in the situation. But my God, he is a consuming fire. Therefore, I hold him in reverence and I hold him in awe. But those reverence and awe brings us into these moments of face-to-face -face personal relationship. By the way, that's how much he loves you. You know that. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you so much. Tell him again, God loves you so much. That he sends his presence to you. Tell him that. He sends his presence to you. Tell him that. He sends his presence to you. But here's the thing that happened after that whole business of showing Moses the wonder of who he is. God began to identify himself to Moses. I am the God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He began to identify himself. What will happen in a life with God is he will continually identify himself to you. To a, to a place where it's not just knowing something, but experiencing him. It's not just enough to know him, but actual, when we say intensely personal, that, that leads to life experience with him. When Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, when he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and being like him in his suffering and becoming like him in his death. Paul is saying is, I want to experience who he is. Anytime Paul writes that word, to know him or something like that, it's not just head knowledge he's talking about. He's talking about life experience. So we had Judah come pray over the offering. Judah can know that God is the provider, but when you know he provides for you, he, you experience him. There's something different there. You can know God as the healer, but when God heals you, you know him as healer. That we live life where we experience him, and these are things that happen throughout our lifetime because that intimately uh, intense relationship that he has with you is constantly revealing himself to you. Taking things that you know, but bringing it to life experience. That's the God that we serve. Cheryl Bridges John uh, said this. I, I love this. She said, God's presence is everywhere, and it is. He's omnipresent, whether it's acknowledged or not. But there are overt, life-changing manifestations of God's presence. And too few people have experienced that, and they're skeptical. But I can testify there's nothing like a visitation of the divine life. Nothing. Amen. We know that God's presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent, but yet there are times when, when he shows up in such a way and nothing can replace those life-changing moments where you experience him. Moses was having an experience with God in that desert at that time that radically changed who he was in the course of his life. So we believe that we can experience God in the fullness of how he simply chooses to express himself to us. Amen. Then the last thing, the fifth thing. 
once you get to experience him, he'll give you directive for life. And a lot of it is simply what it means to follow him and to become like him. But understand that meaning in life starts with the fact that he knows you and he knows you personally. Meaning in life that you're not here by some fate or, or something that happened, but you are divinely created. Meaning in life because God creates because he loves. God loves you. Meaning in life because you're gifted. You have purpose. Meaning in life in that there's no stage of life where the purposes of God are not in front of you. That purpose may stretch you. It may cause you to become something you did not know you could be, but God does those things. So I want you to know as, as amazing and of high opinion we hold somebody in the scriptures like Moses. God's interaction with us is no different. Now, as long as I've been following God, I've never been outside and saw a bush on fire that didn't burn up and then go over and look at it and it starts talking to me. It never happened for me. So it doesn't mean God's going to call you the same way. It, he probably most likely you're not going to be called to be a deliverer of a great nation that's enslaved by another nation. That's probably not going to be your calling. But yet, God is not a respecter of persons. He may not talk to me from a, the burning bush, but he will talk to me. He may not call me to do what Moses did, but he does have purpose for me. You see? He may not do the same thing for each one of us in specifics, but he does the same thing for each one of us in the big picture. So as high esteem as we hold Moses in the Bible, he's no different than you to God. If you learn to hear him, willingly draw close to him, and allow an experience of your life that will change you, and then, then all of a sudden, it, all of a sudden, life in front of you takes an entirely new perspective. What does it mean to live in the kingdom of God while we're still on this earth? New perspective. It'll change you. But I believe God's calling each one of us. Now, here's what I know. You may be like Moses that when God calls you, you don't feel worthy. And you have all the excuses why you can't do the directive and the leading of God. I don't know how many excuses, I have to look at three or four different excuses. And, and God ended up being displeased with Moses. I mean, can you imagine the God of the universe specifically talking to you and you talking back? But how often do we actually do that? You think about that. If God is calling you, and he is, then you're worthy of his voice. If God is reaching out to you, you know what he's saying? You are worthy of my presence. If God's calling you and reaching out to you, he's saying you're worthy of a God-given purpose. 
And you can say, I've failed here, and I've messed up here, and I don't think I'm good enough here, and I can tell you all my shortcomings here, and I can give you all the reasons why I can instead of all the reasons why I can, and you can list it all out. You can have this big, giant whiteboard full of stuff. And when you're done writing, God just goes, okay, will you just listen to me now? Just pay attention to me for a moment instead of all this other stuff. I am calling you specifically because I know you best. That's what he's saying. Right. I love you so much that I'm willingly being with you in presence, intimate relationship. And when you see that, you step back and that wonder and that all grabs a hold of you. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this, this is just, this is almost mind-boggling that this would be the case. But yet, that's the almighty God that we serve. And he's calling each one of us to draw into him. Now, there may be things in your life you've got to ask for forgiveness for. You need to repent for it. Then do so. Because he is a holy God. That's part of our understanding of him and, and the wonder of all of who he is. He is a holy God. But yet, that holy God offers the opportunity for forgiveness and repentance so you can draw close. Amen. And the fire of his presence turns into consuming fire that fills us. The fire that, well, burns out when shouldn't be there. The fire that, that we call this little light of mine, but it's not this little light of mine. It's the fire of God. Yeah. The activity of the Holy Spirit. If you respond. Amen. I desire in my life to be so full of, of the, in our context, the fire of God. That there's not room for anything else. That, that, that it, it's, like, it's like I'm throwing open all the doors to every part of my being and letting the fire just come in there. there there's no dark corner that I'm trying to keep out from the fire of God and hide from him. There's no excuse I'm trying to throw out as to why the fire shouldn't burn here or do that or, or do this. But the all-consuming fire of God within me. By the way, it's not about living this high-end emotional life. It's the everyday living with the living God in you. No matter what you do, that God is present and he's active and I'm listening. Amen. So how many of you like to throw out excuses to God why you can't do this, that, or anything? Anybody else like me? So yeah, we, we just, mm-hmm. If God said it, then it can be. Get rid of your excuses. Throw the lid off that thing. God took a man tending sheep in the wilderness and through the miraculous released and enslaved people to go towards and start to, listen, head towards the promised land. Only by the power of God to the promised land. Do you know you're going to a promised land? You know that. I want to go there. I hope I see you there. I want to get there and say, hey, where's Margo at? Where'd she go? What happened to her? 
Oh, man. Oh, well. No, I, I would do that. I would do that. I promise. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll hug you. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> that we're all going there. But we know it's God who does it. Amen? Here's what I want to do. Samara, just come up and hit that thing. Keyboard. Yeah. I want to invite you for a moment to give your excuses over to God. You might have any. Okay, fine. I want to invite you to bring things before God that are in repentance. Now I ask him for forgiveness, but now life is going to change. I want to offer you a moment to give your hurts over to God. Because sometimes our excuses are bound up in our hurts. Things that have happened. And those put lids on things that God's trying to do. I want to invite you, if you're here today, and maybe I'm saying all this stuff, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? How about we say this? That Jesus loves you and he has died for you. And that you can give your life to him. And the amazing thing about God is he will forgive all of your sins. I was a good sinner when I was a sinner. But I also believe that God has completely forgiven me. I'm not perfect, but he's forgiven me. And he will forgive anything in your life. The Bible says just ask. And what will happen is he'll take you in life and he'll start to show you what really life is about. New orientation, right? So whatever your situation is, just take a moment with him. And allow the fire of God to draw near to us in presence. Amen? So how about we do that? You just have a personal time with him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, that you hear us. You hear us. And we know you respond to each one of us, no matter what it is. Even, even if that thing to that specific person seems to be giant and huge and they don't know what to do with it, you're the one that takes those things and gives us the burden that is easy and the yoke that is light. Oh, Jesus. Lord, hear us today. Respond to us today. That the fire of your presence burns within us. Oh, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus.
Okay, here's how I feel to, to close out today. First off, if you were one that said, well, I just simply asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins, I want you to come talk to me. I want to talk to you for a moment. So we sort, we're sort of going to dismiss, sort of not going to dismiss. So if you want to come talk to me. Secondly, if you would like prayer about anything today, if you want somebody to join faith with you, we'll pray with you. And if I'm, if I'm kind of busy, we'll find somebody to pray with you, okay? Thirdly, I'm just going to open up the altar. If you want to come and spend a few more moments in the presence of God before you leave, you may come, okay? And if you don't fall into any of those three things, you can go. It's okay. No worries. Wednesday night. By the way, I'm excited about Wednesday. I'm going to start a series on purpose. And we're going to jump off of this last part of what we talked about with Moses today, God giving purpose to life. So come on out for that. Uh, next Sunday morning, again, back uh, as we are today, bring somebody with you. But having said that, if you just want to come down and, and spend time for a few moments uh, in prayer or whatever, please do so. If not, we'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. Be blessed as you go today.